and welcome to Design Assembly Conversations. In this series, we talk to Aotearoa New Zealand designers, hear their stories and celebrate their work. I'm Louise, and today I'm talking to Donna McCourt from Dow Good Folk. Donna is the creative director at Dow Good Folk, a 25-year-young brand design agency based in Auckland. Dow Good Folk has its roots in packaging design and today runs a full spectrum of design services from strategy to identity and communications through to packaging, digital and spatial design. Donna has been working with Annie Dow, founder and managing director, as a tight team with Girl Power on the Fly for over 25 years. Kia Donna. Thanks so much for joining me today. Um, I'd like to start at the beginning and ask you, where do you come from and how did you get into design? Well, I come, I grew up in Pukekohe, um, land of the potatoes. And this was a long, long time ago. It feels like um, ancient history, but um, it was a very different place when I grew up there to what it is today. Um, it was a really small, conservative town, complete absence, I think, of design in that environment. So it's kind of um, weird when I think how I got into design. I think it was a very circular route to it because um, I feel like as I grew up as a kid, there was I had zero exposure to it, although I did really enjoy art at school. So, um, you know, I was doing art, but just in the school sense and um, – but I got taken away from that kind of path because I was quite good academically. So in, back in those dark ages, it felt like art was only the place for people that, you know, couldn't do maths and science and stuff like that. So, so I ended up doing um, much more, you know, two maths and three science-y kind of papers in senior school and that took me to um, university and right away from art, the art that I had quite enjoyed. So it wasn't until I'd been to university, started working, realised that I wasn't happy in what I was doing. I was still sort of doing my own drawing and stuff on the side and so I had this little, you know, thing about art. I didn't even know what I wanted to do or, you know, that what I should do with it but then I I was on a trip in Wellington and I saw the design schools exhibition and it was like a kind of like a light bulb moment it was like that's what I wanted to be doing and I don't think I'd have ever really seen design you know presented to me in any way until that happened so yeah that's how I that's how I got into I just saw it and, and suddenly I felt like I knew what what I wanted to do compared to what I had been doing. (laughs) (laughs) And did you go and train anywhere in design? Yeah, so I did. I went to, um, I applied to the uh, School of Design at Wellington, was Wellington Polytech then, became Massey. Um, And, yeah, so that's where I did my training at Wellington. Cool. And um, so then from from, um, training in Wellington, where did you start in design? Where did you start working? So my first job was at um, Design Work. Oh, actually, hang on. I think I worked for about three months at this grotty little place in Mount Wellington in the industrial area. It was Ashton Scholastic, and they made children's books. That was my first job as a graphic designer. Um, And we were in the warehouse above the, you know, all the storage where they shipped up the books and poked them out, and there was... um, 
the art director and me and, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of not inspiring at all. But anyway, um, then I got it. Uh, of course, I was touting my portfolio around and um, I got a job at Designworks in Auckland. So that, that was what I considered my, you know, real start. That was my what I thought was my first real job. Yeah, I think often um, our first jobs are kind of just a foot in the door into the working world, aren't they, really? Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> teaching you where you don't want to be. Yeah. <laughs> and and just going back to when you studied, did you have, um, you know, did any particular teachers stand out to you and kind of mentor you um, during your time there? Or No, not really. And, and when I think most of my classmates, so at the time that I trained at, uh, the intake each year was small, so there were only 36 of you. And, you know, I remember my classmates and I just, you know, mercilessly taking off our our teachers who felt to us back then, and this is back in the 80s, um, the 80s, <laughs> um, they felt like so old-fashioned to us then. So, you know, we had a guy that taught us um painting but it was like laying down gouache yeah, yeah and you know he would we would all just parrot the way he said you've got to lay it down flat <laughs> <laughs> did you did you have to work in did you have to work in like a hands-on way when you first work in, worked in design then or you know were you, were you yes, into so, the computer um, suite yeah even when yeah. You, so even at the job at design works this is I mean computers were only this is, I just feel like some kind of ancient being here. But computers were only just starting to come out. So my first job at DesignWorks, we still had to spec type and send it to the typesetters. So, you know, if you wanted some typography, you had to draw up what you wanted with the instructions on the types, you know, the, the point size and the leading and the letter spacing and stuff like that, send it off to the typesetters who would send you back this piece of paper with that piece of type done on it, which, of course, was either, A, not what you asked for, or, B, once you saw what you'd asked for, you knew that it wasn't right, so you'd have to amend it and send it away again. Or you'd take it and you'd cut it up and you'd put it through a... um, (laughs) (laughs) through a a gluing machine so you Mm. could kind of move things around oh my god it's like the dark ages (laughs) um do you think there are skills that you gained from working in that process that you know made you a better designer or was it just like as you say you you know you sent it away and you didn't see it so honestly I don't think so because I think one of the beautiful things about design is that play, you know, and like trying things. And it was such a slow, tedious, laborious process that it limited how much you could play and experiment. Mm. Whereas once you got onto, you know, a Mac and you can try lots of things, yeah, those were the dark ages. Mm. I don't know how we even got anything done. (laughs) And in in that respect, it's kind of, who who is a designer and the personality of de, of, of a designer has surely greatly changed. Yes, although you know, I think it's actually as we talk about this, this is really interesting because you know, like Stefan Sagmeister, who's you know so amazing, and what I found I found interesting is that I was watching his um, movie Happy mm. about six months ago, and how much of his work is made, mm. so it's not actually done on the computer. You know, like he's creating letter forms out of actual objects and then photographing them for graphic pieces. So in that respect, that's that's quite interesting and maybe there's a 
shows you how much more interesting you can maybe be if you get away from the computer Mm -hmm. and move back to uh, more, you know, actually physical making of stuff. Yeah. Although I think in those days when I was starting out, we were... (laughs) We were... um, making but only in the sense of what you did on a computer anyway like Mm. getting um markers and you know coloring things and drawing things but so starting at design works um is there a project or an experience that stands out for you during those early days as a designer and I can barely remember the work I did there it was mostly um packaging design though and I don't know which came first whether I got given packaging design or I sort it out, but I've always been drawn to packaging design. I love packaging design. And, you know, I think when I, in those early days, I was super um, inspired by UK packaging design at that time was, you know, breaking the rules of what, and I'm talking about food food and drink packaging in the main, um, what had been done, which, you know, traditionally had been so, commercial and gaudy and kind of loud and they started to do um, food and drink packaging design that was you know much more telling a story more understated and and that was super exciting you know way back then to see that sort of more art feeling come through into a commercial what had been a really commercial space and where did you see these um, examples of overseas packaging yeah so um you know there'd be design books yeah (laughs) (laughs) which you would you know would hang on to so like precious icons or something you know that you'd leaf through and steer over the the same images over and over again Mm. yeah because yeah no internet unbelievable isn't it it's hard to even imagine yeah did you spend um any time living overseas or traveling I didn't actually and I had always wanted to and you know like for years and years and years I'd say until quite recently you know this um wish to work overseas but my life circumstances kind of never allowed that to happen it was you know who I was living with and what my partner was doing and you know stuff like that but um and I think in the end, because um, one of my big dreams was to live and work in New York, and as I got further and further into my career and spoke to some designers, you know, worked with some designers who had worked there, I think the dream of it started to tarnish a bit mm-hmm. because, you know, they told me about how hard it was in terms of, you know, you, you just live your job and you're working every night till, you know, 11 o'clock and, you just get up in the morning, go to work and work all day and all night. Mm. And, I, and I was like, oh, <laughs> not quite what I was hoping for in my life because um, I don't have a capacity to work long hours. I find that I work my best when I can have a balance between mm. work and other things and I find that the other things fire up my, my thinking and my creativity much more than being stuck in front of a computer for hours and hours and hours so that kind of put me off my big dream when I sort of realized the reality of of the work ethic that was in place there yeah and and did you realize that about yourself you know quite early on that you needed that balance I know I think it was slow actually you know and for a long time I um 
felt guilty about it too because, you know, even when I started out at DesignWorks, there was a culture of, you know, kind of catcalling you if you left the building at 6pm, you know, saying, is that a half day, is it? And I just felt guilty for wanting to leave my work desk at that time. It took me a long time to become not, you know, not, not to apologise for that. Um, and I think it's really hard when you're young too and, and, you know, to have the conviction of what what works for you in terms of, you know, and believing that you can have better outputs if you work a certain way that suits you better. I mean, some people, they can do it, but I, I just actually get more and more stuck. You know, the longer I sit there, the tireder I get, the less actually comes out. Mm. So, you know, it took me a long time, I think, to understand that good outputs can come in different ways and, and the best way for me personally to get the best, better results. After Design Works, did you, was that when you went to Dow Design or? No, I went no? to work at um, TVNZ actually, oh, yeah. which was, um, we, it was an exciting experience for me. And I was, I think I've always been kind of like, you know, a little bit seduced by pseudo glamour and I think when I had even when I was working at DesignWorks I had to go into TVNZ connected to some job we were working on and I walked into their headquarters at Victoria Street there and at the time it was quite a modern building with a big huge sort of atrium and I found it so kind of sexy and oh I thought it was you know just fabulously exciting so when I went to work there I was like oh um but that was a good learning experience too because you had to work in film, you know, and mm. video. And so you're working in more than two dimensions, like from a page or a screen, you know, like just flat graphics into, you know, time and motion and depth and stuff like that. And um, I actually wasn't very good at it. <laughs> and they had um, they had completely different software so you weren't working on Macs you were working on other machinery and and I'm a real slow learner in terms of picking up new technology and that was really hard and yeah I just realized that I'm much more at ease working in two dimensions than I am thinking about space and time and Mm -hmm. everything on top of that so yeah um, even though I really loved I was there for three years and loved the people I worked with it was a fantastic environment felt really creative and exciting, but, yeah, I, I don't think I did my best work there. So I went scuttling back to uh, packaging design and felt heaps happier. <laughs> and, so, and so where did you land then? Oh, yeah, then that's when I started to – I started freelancing for Dow. Mm. And, God, here we are. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's um, – it, it's fair to say that it's not a very common thing to be in work for one um, company or studio as yeah. a designer. So, um, yeah, tell us a little bit about, you know, working in, in a career job. Yeah, well, it didn't. I think because I, when I started, I didn't see it as a career. You know, it just sort of happened to develop that way. So for the first maybe, I can't even remember now, four years I just freelanced and I did some other work and then gradually um, and it's the comfort thing, you know, because it was so much easier to be working with Greg and Annie than, you know, keeping your own clients going. And what I, what for me personally I learned was, you know, that it's so much nicer just to have to do the creative bit and not have to do the accounts and the chasing the work and stuff like that. And that was the bit I loved. So 
you know, the more I did for them, the more I could just focus on the bit that I loved the most mm. and not have to deal with the other stuff that I loved less. Plus, I think, you know, I just, um, I really enjoyed them as people and I loved their, um, you know, I really gelled with their values. I think they they both had a real um, love of life and work. Work was fun, but was kind of their, wanted to do good work, but also to allow you to live a good life as mm. well. And it's that work-life balance mm. thing, which I was only just starting to, you know, understand myself what what worked for me. And I had had that kind of other experience, you know, of working in a design culture that didn't fit with me, that kind of, you know, you've got to put your head down and just slog away through hours and hours and hours. And so I think I there was a fear too of going back to places that might have had that culture that didn't work so well with me. Mm -hmm. So I felt really comfortable there. And Annie and I have always got on super well. You know, we really, um, we don't have many conflicts. You know, we have different opinions on things, but we just kind of work together really well like that. Uh, it's, it's never hard. And so I had a great relationship with her. Working with her felt really seamless and really, positive and so you know there was no real reason to leave and then of course after a while I so then I'd freelance for a while and then for a few years and then they said why don't you come and work full-time and for a while I, I sort of you know rejected that because I loved the feeling of freedom of being a freelancer but then in, in the end I capitulated anyway and I became full-time and then a few years after that you know I started doing the um, creative director role which at the time I didn't want because I didn't think that I was going to be a people person. But um, once I did it, it was weird, actually, because um, I used to like, you know, just doing my own work in my little <laughs> bubble. And I thought, oh, I don't want to do this, you know, be responsible for other people. But when I had to start doing it, I surprised myself because I actually loved that interaction and had a real empathy for the designers and the work they were doing. Mm -hmm. And I kind of discovered that I was surprised myself that I felt like I was, you know, better at that role than I ever would have imagined. And actually, I was far better at that role than I was as a designer myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now, day to day, um, you know, what does your day look like and do you have rituals? Yeah, that was an interesting question, actually. Yeah. Um, I find it really hard to analyse my own day-to-day, -day, but I thought your question was quite helpful when it said, you know, are you doing um, between, um, what was it, client relationships, business or strategy, design concepts, design craft on the tools, then I thought, oh, yes, that's very obvious. I'm not on the tools, mm. and that's lucky for clients, I think. <laughs> um, so I'm very much in strategy for brand positioning, and which I love, and um, and helping the designers with design concepts um, and trying not, not to be in the business side because I don't consider myself to be a business person and I don't think that's my, my strengths. But I love um, the creativity side and I love working with the designers. They always inspire me because I think what they come up with is, is really interesting and I, try, and I love not having... I mean, you can't help but have some views in your own head about what the solution could be, but I love to be surprised by what designers come up with from the same brief. 
So I find all of that really stimulating and, you know, that's that's the good stuff. And is there a project that stands out for you at, um, within your time at Dow? There's a lot, actually. I mean, one of the one one that I, I think, oh, you know, it's the client. It comes down to the clients so much. I think in the end, the client dictates whether a project is really, really satisfying and memorable. And that's what I'm sort of learning more and more is how to get um, how to sell clients into more creative ideas. I don't actually don't know the answer to this. I'm still mm. struggling with it. But when you have a client that has a more open mind and um, and is open to creativity, oh, it's you know those are the best kinds of projects. And one of the great ones that we did was um, Ben Cook was launching some New Zealand um, health products, sort of supplements and honey products and from deer velvet and a whole lot of you know New Zealand stuff and um he was going to call his brand New Zealand Premium Health and we worked on the project you know the way we always do and it became Wild Bounty which mm-hmm. was the name of the brand but um that was a great project but I think mostly because of his own attitude he <laughs> He was quite a flamboyant figure and he, he really wanted to rock the boat. He, you know, one of his quotes was, I just don't want to be another one of those brands in, in an air, that sit in an airport. And he'd sit, he, he wanted his brand to be about New Zealand, but he had some thoughts in his head about what New Zealand represented to him. And he said, have you been to Rata Restaurant in Queenstown? Uh, you need to go there because they've got, I just love what they've done with their interior and that says what my idea of New Zealand is. Mm-hmm. So Hannah, who was the designer, and I, you know, we flew down to Rata just to have a look at the at this restaurant, you know, and that kind of attitude from a, from a client is so um, inspiring that they – they can kind of sense something about the feeling or the type of vibe that they that they believe in, mm. and and that they you know they're not penny pinching about you to, to go out into the world and to feel and experience those things because those are the best moments when you actually get out of the office. You know, another one was um, First Light who do Wagyu beef, and mm. you know driving down to. Um, or flying down to the Hawke's Bay and then driving out into the Wop Wops to visit farmers and stuff like that. Love that stuff. It's a brilliant, that's the gold, I reckon. Yeah. And we've talked a bit about kind of, you know, some of the technological changes that you've seen. Hallelujah. <laughs> 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 um, but, you know, can you think of other any other kind of major changes or shifts that you've seen in the years that you've been practising as a designer? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest one is is the competition, mm. you know, within our own industry. It's so much bigger than it was when I started, when I started. And, of course, I've sort of been, you know, worked primarily in, um, in packaging design. But, you know, at, in the earlier days, there would have been like six companies, mm. oh, my God, that did everything. And now, you know, you couldn't even count. I think the last time I even looked at it, which was probably, you know, four years ago, um, there might have been, you know, 250 in Auckland, you know, and that's not even counting the proliferation of designers that moves into digital and, you know, 
other aspects. So the competition has just completely changed the landscape and fractured it and which I'm not saying is a bad thing at all because I mean I think the diversity is really interesting but I do think that it's also kind of led our industry to feel in some ways more like a cottage industry and although I hate corporate culture um, and I don't know the answer to this issue but you know the issue of uh, the world valuing creativity and paying for it because mm. we all we all uh, there's a lot a lot of very small businesses in our world and I think that the commercial landscape is forcing us more and more into that model but then people do the work do great work for arguably less than what it's worth I would love it if if uh, designers could claim the same kind of rates that lawyers do I mean why not you you know it's a rare skill and it's a you know gift to be able to create interesting things that interact with people but it's sort of I don't think it's uh, I think it's undervalued Mm -hmm. and how do you think this year with um, COVID-19's gone on to impact kind of that aspect or like the industry as a whole yeah, I, I, you know, I found those questions really hard when you yeah. sent them through to me. I, I feel like I don't have a lot of clarity about where we are at now and, and what next year will be. It feels like there's a real um, mix of experiences between a lot of hardship, and but then some people have done surprisingly well through it and it, it's really hard to kind of say one one generalisation of the output of it. Yeah, and I think you're right. We're still in the middle of it. so Yeah, it's it's hard to know how it's all going to sort of wash up. Are you looking forward to the summer break then in that respect? (laughs) (laughs) I am looking forward to the summer break. It's been a a strange year, but an interesting learning year, I think. For me personally, I found the first lockdown... Most of my friends found the first lockdown a pleasure and the second lockdown harder, and I was I was the other way around. But, oh, gosh. Sorry. <laughs> but it did teach me a few things about, you know, how to, how to cope better with mm. when things aren't going the way you want them to go. Just like it's um, not rocket science. Everybody knows this, you know, but just accept what is. Mm. Don't fight against it so much. <laughs> All of that kind of thing just slow down a bit because I think at the beginning I was just wanting to like keep up you know keep producing things of value and it was actually I think the first lockdown was probably a time just to stop Mm. not worry about that stuff so much and you know just let things filter through your head and I learnt (laughs) (laughs) did it lead lead to um your studio being kind of more flexible in how it works and working remotely or? Yes, I think um, definitely um, it opened that door to realise for, you know, to the realisation that you could still get good work done in different ways. Mm. Um, But it has been interesting, I think, because everyone was very excited, I think, at the beginning about this idea that you could work remotely and you didn't need the office but it also conversely showed us the good things about mm. the interactions of being with people too. So in my opinion, a balance is is ideal, you know, a little bit of each, not one or the other. 
Yeah, I agree. I think especially with design and, and you know, that iteration process, that conceptual yeah. process, it's yeah. being together in the same room for parts of that is important. Yeah. And so do you have um, a personal kind of design or creative practice? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, it's all in my head. Yeah. <laughs> it's all in my head. It's like the things that I want to be doing and um, and then I feel too tired to do. Yeah. I feel like uh, embarrassed to say. So I feel like I feel guilty, like I should be driven to make them happen. It's limited. <laughs> what do you do outside of design then? Um, well, I love um, I love fashion. So I spend a lot of time immersed in um style and fashion and I also love you know interiors and um objects and furniture and stuff like that I think you know that's kind of probably my release is you know going into those worlds which I I feel really excited by and um can lose myself for hours in those and they're they're part of the design world yeah that's true Yeah. yeah And how do you disconnect and reconnect to yourself? Yeah, well, I'm here at the beach today working from the beach and that's that's my, you know, like holy grail. So um, I I got the I got a small place here in Waihee three years ago and we didn't really know whether, you know, something inside of me said, oh, I think this will, this might be good. And when I got it, I was like, oh, my God, it is beyond good. So this connection to the sea is is really special for me. Um, and I can't tell you how much it changes my headspace and my mood as soon as I'm here. So, um, yeah, so I try to surf. I'm a used to surfer, but I love it. And, um, yeah, being in the sea and surfing is is the biggest way to get some connection back to the world and yourself and Mm. things that are important. And finally, what are your words of wisdom that you'd like to share with other designers and creatives out there? I really want, I really love to find a more effective way for us all to value our work. So my um, words of wisdom are, and I wish I had better ones with some, um, more concrete activations, but I think if we can all put our heads to this task of how to value our work, then that is to the good of of our industry, which I just feel is cheated at the moment and un- undervalued. You know, people and because we because we're doing something we love, people will often do it feeling like they're lucky to have got got the work, whereas when I compare it with other things that are sold in the marketplace, you know, people's services and values, it should be right up there. And yet we always think that we're, you know, oh, we'll we'll do it for this because we just want to do it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you very much for your time today, Donna. I really appreciate it, Lou. And I think you're doing great stuff at Design Assembly. I'm a huge supporter. Thank you. (laughs) Keep doing it. Thanks very much. Kia ora. 